0: And then, and then all of this is set in a Thomas Kincaid world. (laughs) So everything about this just reeks of you know Thomas Kincaid's uh, brushstrokes. It is gorgeous, and you know this is where Cinderella lives. Dodge this. I am the father. I'm here on a mission of mercy. There's only one God, man, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. Let's put a smile on that face. I I want the truth! You can't handle the truth!
1: Open the pod bay doors, huh? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. This is episode 129 of the Movie Bite podcast. It is a show where we talk about movies, movie reviews, movie news, trailers, and much, much more. Our voices are now being converted to digital sound files so that we can stream this episode to you on a fine Tuesday, March the 18th, 2015. I am TJ, your host, and joining me today is the Grand Duke himself. It is Joe Darnell.
0: How are you, Joe? Oh, I'm so disappointed. I thought I would be the prince. No, no, no. You're the conniving, scheming
1: Stellan Skarsgård of this Movie Byte podcast.
0: Oh, man. You're wrinkling my beard, dude. Uh, I was expecting grandeur. I was expecting praise and accolades. Have you grown a beard since I've last seen you? I I thought I could just be the handsome guy for once.
1: So you've grown a beard, though? I could
0: pass. You said I was wrinkling your beard. Yeah, no. Well, my beard is pretty short; it might be fit for a mouse. Ah. But uh, no, I I do have some whiskers going on here.
1: Oh, well, that's new. How are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Uh, busy, busy. Uh, trying to trying to catch up on movie news as I have time now that I'm yeah. no longer a writer on about such
0: movie news. Why Why'd you stop making movies, TJ? Why did Why, I did, I why did you movies? stop making movies and start making websites? Who needs more websites? The internet's too big.
1: Uh, it was the job I could get, and I like doing it. So. Uh, this is boring. People don't tune into this.
0: That's a, that, dude, that, I was about to say, that is the most boring answer I've ever heard.
1: <laughs> so, no wonder uh,
0: you're a web developer.
1: Do you want to talk about something people would
0: be more interested in? Oh, uh, Sure, yes, sir. Uh, w- what is something you like?
1: <laughs> well, I don't know that I like it necessarily, but this is something that's interesting <laughs> and that's on the internet and that has relationship somehow to movies. Let's find out what it is. So we're seeing a bunch of images on screen and then interposed inter- the text telling us that there's... We sent out uh, uh, this thing to see if there was life in the galaxy and it had um, images and things of, uh, of our culture. It was intended for peace. Unfortunately, it was taken the wrong way.
0: Some alien life force real life video games to attack us.
1: Is that just not the most incredibly retarded thing you've ever heard in your life?
0: <laughs> oh yeah. It makes a great comedy though. It looks like something straight out of lifted actually from YouTube. I've seen this exact same concept as a short film by a variety of different, you know, YouTube producers.
1: Yeah. I mean, so the and, idea uh, is good stuff
0: th- too. So, I mean, clearly they'd lifted the idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the aliens have sent Pac-Man to to chomp our world into bits, basically, and, and, and Donkey Kong to smash barrels, digital barrels over everybody.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll buy that with some popcorn, you know, because it's Pac-Man, <laughs> and you got the father of Pap- Pac-Man getting his hand bit. I mean, I, meant, the, the, the,
1: I meant to look that up. Is that really the father of Pac-Man, or I don't know?
0: I'll be gravely disappointed if it's not. I know the guy lives. I know the guy has been uh, in, involved in pop culture, so I don't see why not.
1: What did what did they say his name was? Let me get to the, uh, let me get to that here. Hang on, hang on. Uh, de, 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 de. Uh, here we go. May I introduce to you Professor Iwatani, the creator of Pac-Man. Pac-Man is not bad, you see. Professor Iwatani, what are you doing? <laughs> I will talk to him. He's my son. This is pretty great. Hello, my sweet little boy. Look how big you've grown. That's so sweet. He's so sweet. I know. <laughs> you're a good boy <laughs> <laughs> ah! somebody annihilate this stupid thing <laughs> so Iwatani uh, is definitely a real guy um, I don't think it is obviously it's an actor playing him in the movie he it looks somewhat like his real person but uh, yeah I don't know this, yeah. this thing looks pretty dumb
0: <laughs> Well, yeah, it's got Adam Sandler. Yes, Adam
1: Sandler, right. So I I have no hope that this will be any good at all. In fact, it's the sort of thing where I think that we'll get a lot of enjoyment out of the trailers and the movie will be dumb, dumb, dumb. That's my opinion.
0: <laughs> I am going to definitely have to look up uh, the the dude who made the original video along these lines because I know I can find him. He's got about a dozen different YouTube channels now. He's pretty popular too. His mm-hmm. last name is Wong and – uh he, yeah, he just does all these special effects driven YouTube action shorts. And uh yeah, so he's pretty fun and um I wouldn't be surprised if he's involved behind the scenes because he's uh, allied with a few of the film productions before like when Cowboys and Aliens or was it Cowboys versus Aliens came out. Cowboys he, and Aliens. Um, he, he had a short film, thank you, where he was on the set or a film set for like a, a western and it was he, he, Himself and some other guys dressed up like cowboys, fighting each other. And do, do you remember the bracelet that uh, Daniel Craig was wearing?
1: I never saw the movie. I is actually on my list to see, but I never saw it.
0: Oh, it's worth seeing once. Yeah. Well, Dan, sort of Daniel Craig is wearing this alien uh, like bracelet. It's uh-huh. an alien charm bracelet. It's like really seriously badass. And uh, yeah, so he wears this thing in the mm-hmm. video short in you uh, for youtube and, and the director of the film was actually uh one of the starring characters in this film short with wong so so yeah the guy's got connections and i have no doubts that he's involved in this film yeah pretty cool
1: well um, it's nice to
0: see the influence of youtube making uh, a good comedy for a change
1: <laughs> so the cast is adam sandler jane krakowski uh, peter dinklage michelle monaghan Ashley Benson, Sean Bean, Josh Gad, Kevin James, and Brian Cox, and there are others that I don't know if they're important or not. I don't recognize. So any now
0: of we names. can look forward to the. Uh, now we can look forward to Honest Trailers, the movie. <laughs>
1: that's so that's so true. It's directed by Chris Columbus, who you know he's done some decent things. Uh, one of my all-time favorite Christmas movies, uh, Home Alone, for instance. Uh, uh-huh. He did uh, two of the Harry Potter movies and produced uh, at least two more, I think. Um, or at least one more. Let's put it that way. He did. Uh, he produced Percy Jackson films, uh, Night at the Museum. So uh, you know he's uh, he's got some some credit behind him. Uh, who knows? Maybe this will be better than I think. It's just the entire premise. Like I think that they, they, they did this really super serious thing that devolves into comedy, and it's just like I was lo- I was looking at the sci fi epic, and then all of a sudden it went, "Hey, here's Pac Man chomping up the city." Like I don't know. I was just like, "Come on, guys! No, 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 no." Let's, let's not let's not do that so i i was well i
0: think that the comedy bits the dialogue could make it run flat uh mm-hmm. you, you got to liven it up with more of the comedic ac- comedic action that's yeah. what's gonna make it go
1: yeah I, I mean i could see i mean i've i've liked josh gad and the things that i've seen him in so um you know i it, it could be better than i think i just i think i was caught off guard because i okay let, let's face it like I'm, I'm staying really busy. And so I'm, I'm and since I quit writing for movie bad, I'm doing less movie news throughout the week. And then, you know, here it is. We're recording on the day we record. I start looking for, I'm like, Oh, I need to catch up on what's going on. I'm like, Oh, I've been hearing a little bit about this pixel thing. What, what's that? And so I had literally had no idea what it was when I started watching the trailer. And it just, the whole thing just kind of caught me off guard. So.
0: Yeah, seriously, I might take my kids to see it as long as it's clean enough. Yeah, maybe. Maybe
1: Um, To some extent, um, maybe it feels a little bit like a live-action reimagining of Wreck-It Ralph, I suppose. Uh, Maybe that's what's kind of turning me off, too. It's like Wreck-It Ralph did it so well, and now we're doing it as a comedy in real life. I don't know about that,
0: you know. I don't know. But it has another dimension to it because supposedly it's not real arcade characters brought into the real world. They're supposed to be aliens that are generating themselves to look like arcade characters. True. And so at some point there is a breakdown, the alien invasion actually happens. And if they don't go that direction, I'll be really surprised because <laughs> why would the aliens hold up the 2-bit, you know, graphics when clearly the the world on earth is nothing akin to that you know so, so there's, you know it's, it's very it's very wry it's very tongue-in-cheek
1: yeah yeah for sure so um i think that we should move on though to our next news
0: sure please
1: so uh this sounds familiar don't you think
0: uh that's the force touch force touch soundtrack right
1: Yes, the Force Touch soundtrack. Absolutely, it has it has uh, taptic feedback.
0: Mm, I'm feeling the beat.
1: All right, so the, uh, obviously this is now Star Wars: Bite. J.J. Uh, Abrams is possibly rumored to be wanted for Star Wars Episode uh, Nine. I think, uh, Joe, when we heard or when I heard that uh, someone else, Ryan Johnson specifically, was going to be directing Episode 8, that maybe maybe there's a little bit of worry that J.J. wasn't doing a satisfactory job and that they decided immediately to get another director. But if they want him back for 9, that, that restores a little bit of faith and confidence in what's going on here with Episode 7. Is this too much speculation for you? I mean, is it like we don't even know anything about anything yet because nothing's come out?
0: But that was kind I, of my. Worry. I have a hard time understanding this myself because I thought we had more faith in Ryan Johnson. He was signed on as the writer for seven and eight, and he was directing seven. Isn't that right?
1: No, J.J. J. J. Abrams is directing seven. What are you talking about?
0: Okay, maybe I'm getting my numbers mixed yeah, up. Yeah, no, no. You're, I'm you're, thinking about eight and nine?
1: Y- no, I, I don't think Ryan Johnson was ever attached to nine. They just announced him for eight. He's writing and directing uh, episode eight. J.J. J. Abrams has, you know, obviously been directing uh, seven. And uh, so. You know, I think the um, the the thing for me was that when they announced Ryan Johnson for Episode Eight, my first thought was, "What did J.J. Abrams do wrong? What are they not happy about?" Because my, I guess my, I, I assume that J.J. would probably just continue to be involved in directing uh, the future Star Wars films, uh, but maybe they weren't happy with him. So the the rumor, at least that he's wanted to direct Episode Nine, tells me it's more like he's probably just exhausted after directing the first Star Wars film in in several years. And uh, he needs some time to catch his breath and write the next one. And they want to get the, you know, episode eight produced you know, the production started. So
0: I think that that's, a, yeah, that's more, much more likely.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and if there's anything to this rumor at all, uh, so, so the rumor, you know, JJ Abrams currently finishing up Star Wars, The Force Awakens, but his time in that uh, faraway galaxy may just be getting started. Rumor is, has it that Abrams is wanted back for Star Wars episode nine expected out in 2019, uh, so the reports are that he has emerged as a front runner to direct episode nine after Disney brass saw and loved the footage he's put together so far for Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Uh, Abrams is also credited as, a, as, as executive producer on eight. I didn't know that, uh, though we don't know exactly how he'll, involved he'll be. Uh, whether Abrams wants to return is a different question. For what it's worth, the site believes there's a good chance he will be back. So yeah, he he has been very vocal about his passion for the property. So yeah, I mean. That 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 tells me at least, you know, I have yet to pass my judgment on the movie, but that tells me at least that if there's anything to this rumor that the studio feels that he's doing a good job.
0: I was really hoping that the director of uh, The Incredibles, what's his name? Brad Bird. Yeah, him. Brad Birdberry. Yeah, I really hope that he would be a director in here somewhere.
1: Well, he's certainly busy with uh, Tomorrowland, which I'm super excited about, um, <clears throat> which uh, did we talk about that last week? I, I get confused. I, I think we did. I feel like we did. Didn't
0: yeah, he? we did. We talked about a trailer.
1: I'm looking now in the show notes and yep, there it is. Tomorrowland trailer for last week's episode.
0: So But I mean, after he does Tomorrowland, he's he's gonna be uh he's not gonna be dying th- that I'm aware of. He doesn't expire. <laughs> so surely he's got a Star Wars movie in him.
1: Yeah, yeah, that would not be a bad thing. I mean, certainly he does good work. Uh he's done good work with Mission Impossible, he's done good work obviously with the Incredibles, super, super Excellent work there. Tomorrowland looks fantastic. So I, yeah, I'd love to see that. But uh, you know, I'm 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 mostly excited for the implications of Episode Seven if they want him back for Episode Nine. If you know what I mean. So that you know, and, and I, I am super excited yeah, to see. Sure. I'm super excited to see Ryan Johnson's uh, version vision for Star Wars with Episode Eight. That that'll be fun. You know, he gave us the fantastic film Looper, uh, which which has only in my mind grown in fondness. I think I would rate it higher than I did when I initially reviewed it.
0: Interesting. I just found that Brad Bird is listed under the senior creative team of Pixar underneath the up film. Did you know that?
1: Um, I think I maybe did. I feel like that's familiar to me.
0: Yeah. Okay. I, I, I clearly didn't. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm.
1: Well, in other star Wars news, Joe, uh, no, we're not done with the star Wars news. We have a couple more items here. Um, star Wars rogue one, which is what they're calling the first spinoff film uh is going to be comp- the score is going to be composed by Alexander DeSplat. um and uh it, I thought it, it was DeSplat. Uh it's I whatever. I the, your friend Can it and be mine, anything we want him to be? Yeah, Display, DeSplat, DeSplat, Displat, whatever. Uh your your friend and mine uh Clark Douglas says that it's DeSplat. So, okay. I assume he knows what he's talking about. So, uh, um the news here is that uh, John Williams won't be scoring this uh, spin-off spinoff uh, film, and that, that seems to be causing somewhat of a stir. Joe, I never expected uh, John Williams to score other than the main primary films.
0: And I'm not worried that Alexander Desplat is going to be doing one of the others because he's such a gifted oh, man. You know, composer himself. Absolutely. He's a really good conductor.
1: I was really worried about um, Harry Potter's 7 and 8 when I heard that uh, – uh, Chris Hooper would not be back to score and they were getting Alexander Desplat. That was before I really had become aware of Alexander Desplat. And boy, was I was I proved Like, I think I liked that score better than Chris Hooper's scores, which I also liked for Harry Potter. And since then, I've been following Alexander Desplat's career. And man, he writes some good stuff. He's given us some of the best scores that we've had in the last couple of years. And I'm super excited to see what he could do with a Star Wars theme. Like, obviously, he's going to weave in star wars stuff but we're you know we've only ever really had at least i've only ever really had because i don't watch you know the 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 cartoons and the different things that obviously john williams is probably not involved with but we've we've only really ever had john williams vision for what a star wars score would sound like and i've traditionally my opinion on john williams is that he's okay he's he's gets a little bombastic at times and 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 not and sometimes misses the quieter things. I'd like to see what somebody as gifted as Alexander Desplat is going to bring to this.
0: Well, I don't know what I think about changing the theme quality. Like if he can follow suit with what uh, John Williams has produced where the uh, set characters and events and organizations within the universe have their own themes. If he wants to stick by that and continue that train of thought for the Star Wars universe – I'd be very happy even if he wants to take them in new directions and introduce new themes for himself. But think about this. Even like Luke and Leia had their own theme music and you don't really pick up on it much in the movies, but when it happens, it's pretty good. And it's a tune that that just hardly ever shows up in the soundtrack. But when it comes up, it's clearly thematic. It's not just a mood setter. Like the the going trend is for all motion pictures these days, where Mm. you just have mood music that kind of it's kind of Hans Zimmery, where you just get the Zimmer and you don't have any of the Williams. And you know Williams, (laughs) who's all about you know giving you uh, a a definite tune that you could hum if you wanted to, if you were into that sort of thing.
1: Well, and I think Alexander Desplat in his own way does that really well too. I mean, think of the Imitation Game and the wonderful score he gave us there. Uh, you know, think of Argo. Uh, in the wonderful score that he gave us with that. Think of the themes that he gave us in Harry Potter that weren't John Williams' themes. So, see, see, he's this is not the first time that Alexander Desplat has has done something in the wake of, of John uh, of John Williams and done really well. So I'm really excited yep. to see what he would do. So.
0: I I have to agree.
1: I, I guess I was just a little surprised that people were like, oh, John Williams should be scoring all of Star Wars all the time forever. And, and it's like, no, come on, guys. Give some other people a chance. We've had John Williams' vision, and he's done a fantastic job. Don't get me wrong, but I want to see some other work in here too. And there's still room for John Williams scores, and we're going to be getting new John Williams scores. So I, I, I'm, I'm super excited about this. I think this is fantastic news. Mm. The, the more scores we can get out of Alexander Desplat, like he is one of my favorite composers right now. And I know uh, Chad uh, – Ch- mm. I, I think it was – I think I might have saw this news originally from Chad uh, Hopkins who used to co-host. Who's Chad? Co-host. Yeah, he used to co-host with me when, when you were dead. Um, oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so uh, I'm sure he's excited about this too. I know he's a big fan of Alexander Desplat. So that is the second item of Star Wars news. Uh Joe, why don't you tell us about this third one?
0: Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I have it right here. Uh it is called Star Wars Episode 8 release date is set for 2017. Ryan Johnson has just been confirmed as the director of this film and in a shareholder's call. And alongside that news, we got that episode uh 8 V that is eight, uh, that is V <laughs> uh 3 and 3 eyes That's followed. Eight, Joe. Yeah. Combined makes it uh, May 26th 2017.
1: Yeah. We we've, we've we've basically known that Ryan Johnson I mean he's been all but officially confirmed. So we've known it, but the big news of course is May 2017, which we I think also suspected although various dates have been thrown around. Uh and I, I'm excited I for have this to look one too. something up now. Oh, what do you have to look up, man?
0: Well, the logo for the show titles of uh, oh yeah, it's all it's all wrong. What? Uh, on that article, it uh-huh. has a like a screen grab of what looks like Star Wars from the opening title. And it's wrong. The, the font is all wrong. It's mm. not the real deal.
1: I. But I thought that was the one that they used for like the, clone, the animated Clone Wars series and stuff. Because it looks like animated, clean, crisp, clear, you know, title. Oh, okay.
0: Art. So it's one of those cartoon series franchise things. Yeah.
1: Anyway, it's beside the point. You're getting distracted by the details, you designer, you. <laughs> um, but by the visual details, I should say. It's just, Sorry, it's just I shouldn't a, be doing yeah, that. It's, it's just a website title or a thumbnail card uh so yeah um star wars episode uh eight will be opening in may of 2017 uh so that'll be two years from uh the release date of this upcoming episode seven so they're they're right on pace hurry you're not in a hurry
0: no why not i i I want one movie for the time being to soak it all in enjoy jj for all it's worth Enjoy the return of the cast. Hopefully you know, Harrison Ford is in it sometimes without a crutch. So.
1: Well, the other news that's mentioned further down in the article is that Daisy Ridley is rumored to be in all upcoming – all three upcoming major episodes. Uh, so she might be our new Leia character or maybe the daughter of Leia. I mean we've talked about this before. So who knows exactly. The You know, J.J. as, as – um, this-
0: You mean – Sorry, go ahead. You mean the next to Disney Princess?
1: <laughs> well, I mean Leia's a Disney Princess now, right? I mean, she she, mm. she has that special place in our hearts retroactively. But, yes, retroactively. Absolutely. She is a Disney Princess. Uh, I just better not see her prancing around Disneyland with mouse ears. Hmm. All right, so that that's the main primary uh Star Wars news. Now, we do have some other news that is tangentially related. How did you how did you like my big word there?
0: <laughs> yeah, the $10 word man. Watch out.
1: Yeah, so let me let me find the uh, portion of this. Okay, here it is. So uh I've been enjoying uh though it has its irritations, I have been enjoying uh the flash on TV on the CW. I've been watching it via Hulu, and uh I've also been enjoying Arrow, that's a different story, it's related to the Flash. Um and we have a villain coming to uh, the flash that will be familiar to those who watch the old series of the flash and who also have watched any, uh, any of the original three episodes of star Wars in any mm. time. So, so let's, let's get a little clip of this. I think you'll be able to hear it. First,
0: 20 years ago, one man named himself the trickster. i had 20 years to come up with the perfect trick. Someone was rocking the unit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that was the voice of Mark Hamill as the trickster. He is revising his role. However, that works. I'm sure it's it's a completely different series, so it's not related. But he's playing the same character, which is pretty fun.
0: Wait, so he played the trickster in the original Flash TV show? Yes,
1: he did. That's the whole point. What mind equals blown?
0: (laughs) Okay, because even if this weren't Mark Hamill, that is just really interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he, the character seems very Joker-like. He's got kind of that same voice going, and he's like, I've had, I've had how many? what Was he said so many years to come up with a new trick? You know, that that sort of thing. yeah. Yeah. So that was uh, that was pretty fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. That was that's going to be on March 31st. So we have a couple weeks uh, to wait for that episode. But uh, if you're not watching the Flash, it's it it has its irritations and it and it falls into some patterns. But it's worth watching at least so far.
0: Mm, um, so. Patterns, like you mean television um, rip off of comic books patterns. A little uh, bit like Arrow, I mean, I just, a little bit like Smallville, a little yeah, bit like I mean, a cartoon. I just mean like
1: they they tend to fall in a little bit into the Monster of the Week pattern where, where Arrow has kind of avoided that for the most part. They, they they definitely have better seasonal arcs than Arrow, than The Flash has had so far.
0: Yeah, see, I kind of saw The Week pattern coming on in Episode 2. Honestly, I don't see what people see in it. I'm not watching the show anymore. Joe, just come on. Interest. It's interest. No,
1: no. It's, it's, it's good. It's worth watching. Why? Stop it.
0: Stop he, it. He, if The Flash is too young. He was supposed to be older. He was supposed to have blonde hair. You you're you're a purist. That's no good. I'm a purist. I'm sorry. I, I believe in perfection. Mm. You're trying to take it away from me.
1: Yes, yes, I am taking your perfection away from you. Um if you were a purist why do you watch any of the Marvel movies? They're revisionist history.
0: Because I never watched it or read anything else of Marvels in the past. So <laughs> so, to me so it's if,
1: if you're just not invested it. I just in get it, now on the bandwagon. If, if you're not invested in it then the past doesn't matter. I see how it is. You're, you're a hypocrite.
0: Yeah, no. I, I, I'm a purist in the Joe Darnell sense, not in the historical sense.
1: Oh, this is Calvin Ball. I get it. This is Calvin Ball.
0: Yes. What's Calvin Ball?
1: Uh, you make up the rules. <laughs> Wait, whoa. You, oh, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. You don't know what Calvin Ball is? Uh, does it have anything to do with Calvin and Hobbes?
1: Yes. Oh, my gosh. I think everybody in our audience right now is collectively freaking out. They're like, Joe doesn't know what Calvin Ball is. I can't believe this.
0: I was into peanuts um what is it called um the far side and garfield. I didn't really follow Calvin.
1: Oh my gosh. I I I I'm speechless, Joe. I'm speechless. I don't know what to I, say.
0: Oh yeah, and Pearls Before Swine.
1: Okay. Calvin Ball is a game invented by Calvin in which you make the rules up as you go along. Rules cannot be used twice except for the rule that rules cannot be used twice. No Calvin Ball game is like another. The game may involve wickets, mallets, volleyballs, and additional equipment as well as masks. There is only one permanent rule in Calvin Ball. You can't play it in the same way twice. But another, but another seems to be that you have to wear a mask. For example, in one game of Calvin Ball, the goal was to capture your opponent's flag. Whereas in a different game of Calvin Ball, the goal was to score points by hitting badminton shuttle, shuttlecocks against trees using a croquet mallet. An apparent rule of Calvin Ball is that you must wear a black mask and that you aren't allowed to ask them, to question the mask. Another apparent rule is that any new rule made up by each player must be accepted. A third apparent rule is that you cannot make any plays you made in a previous game.
0: This sounds so awesome. Why didn't this come up on any of the last 128 episodes of Movie Byte?
1: Uh Because you never played Calvin Ball before. <laughs> you're playing Calvin Ball now, though, because you're making up the rules as you go. You, you, they only apply as you make them.
0: I, I, I'm feeling it, man. This sounds like my kind of sports ball. <laughs> I love it.
1: All right, well, speaking of stuff we love, there is an honest trailer for the 1950 version of Cinderella from Disney. From the studio
0: that brought you Snow White, Fantasia, and the story of menstruation <laughs> comes the fairy tale that's been adapted for film again and 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 again and, again, and, again. <laughs> and coming soon to a theater near you again. So that was nine again.
1: <laughs> well, and they had a, they had a screenshot of the cover for each and every one. Uh, it, it really is, uh, funny. Just, I hadn't realized just how often Cinderella had been brought to the screen. And it makes one question, one Disney's sanity and doing it again. Uh, but,
0: and that doesn't include straight to video adaptations for like DVD and VHS.
1: No, no, not at all. Um, yeah, those were just the theatrical-type movies. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy how often it's come to screen, and and there is just a lot of fun to be had throughout this uh, trailer, this Honest trailer, as is always. like I think they're doing the best work in parody right now. They really
0: are. Yeah, they're more parody than criticism. They used oh, to be yeah. – they used to be uh, trying to be a little bit truly critical, and now mm, it's just I've never fun. took them that way. It, but it's just no, – I've always been a good fun, I thought. Yeah, always? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because sometimes I could take them seriously. Sometimes I actually identified like, yeah, that's funny, but it's also true. Well, and, and, and then in I'm, more recent times I've been watching them and I'm like, yeah, that's funny, but I don't agree.
1: I, I, I don't know. I've always found, for the most part, with few exceptions – and they'll, they usually say it when there are exceptions. They're like, but really, guys – we didn't find much wrong with this movie. So we're just making fun of it anyway. Uh, but usually it's uncomfortably true. Like, like, like (laughs) their, their stuff is like, "Uh, Yeah, I like that movie. Why, why are you finding this thing that's true about it? Leave me alone. Um, so it's, it's usually like that for me. And, and, this one though is more like, yeah, I really never liked Cinderella as a kid, mm. and and uh, this kind of hits on all the reasons why.
0: Really, yeah. see that that's the more interesting topic to me though, TJ. Why is it that you really weren't into this cartoon? Did you did you like did you like any of the Disney classics back then?
1: Our first sponsor this week. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> anybody who listens to ATP will get that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what was your question?
0: Were there any old Disney classic cartoons that you were really into? Tell, don't tell me you liked Bambi.
1: I did not. Okay. Um, did Dis- you like Peter Pan? Yeah, I did. Um, did you
0: like Snow White? Not really. Pinocchio?
1: Yeah, kind of.
0: The story of menstruation? I'm not familiar with that one.
1: <laughs> okay. Oh um, man. I... <laughs> Um, oh, I kind of like Beauty and the Beast. That's not really an old classic. But it's oh, a no,
0: um, no. Anything after, um, uh, let's say Robin Hood would not be considered a classic. Um, well, like I said, I mean, like they're classic in a different sense. It yeah. might be classic in the bronze age, well, but they're I, not classic in the golden age. I like the big hero six. <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> uh, 101 Dalmatians. I can't remember if that's before or after Robin Hood. Um, well,
0: uh, Rescuers Down Under was a heck of a lot better than the first yeah, one. Yeah, uh,
1: the, the Yes. Oh, I loved Rescuers Down Under. I hated Rescuers. Um, Aladdin was pretty good, but that's all, obviously 90s Disney. Um, the yeah. Jungle Book, I've always enjoyed The Jungle Book. Uh, it's, it's pretty fun. Lady and the Tramp is fun. I'm looking at a
0: list here in case you can't tell. See, I didn't realize you were so picky about your cartoons. Oh, yes. I'm very picky. But you like The Flash. TJ. Yes. Straighten up. Yes
1: um let's see i've not seen that one not seen that one there's more
0: animation in the flash than there was in disney's pinocchio i mean i'm just saying
1: (laughs) yep rescuers down under that was pretty good um as a kid i really enjoyed the uh, many adventures of winnie the pooh and i love the uh, like the the way that it's so just like my kids just love it
0: you know you really don't need to talk about your obsession again you know (laughs) i don't have a obsession
1: i I haven't watched i haven't watched a new one for instance. Mm. Um, yeah Incredibles that's new Disney so and that's did
0: you ever I, see Cinderella 2 or Peter n- Pan 2
1: no I have I have
0: you have principles
1: I have principles Joe I have principles come on <laughs> uh no 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 no
0: you know Uh, Going back to the originals, I I honestly enjoyed most of them. My my, my mom, as I've mentioned before, raised me up on musicals and Disney classics, and some of them I grew to like more than liking them the at first time at bat. Mm, Like Cinderella, I really did not like Cinderella the first time. I thought it was (laughs) way too long, too boring, too hard to follow. Like the only thing I really genuinely understood as a child was the conflict for Lucifer and the mice. I did not get (laughs) anything else. And I mean, like, why was the evil uh, old lady being being so mean like i didn't even understand how she was being mean cinderella I just she was being mean yes and then like Cinderella's songs could put me to sleep
1: cinderella cinderella night and day it's cinderella make the fire do the dishes
0: <clears throat> you know uh, you sound like a mouse <laughs> i won't do that again good impression
1: i won't ever do that again ever <laughs> you know,
0: I, I can nail the songs now, though, though. yeah, I, mean, I, I could really sing my heart out with some of these. Let's see here. Um,
1: Put them together and what have you got? Uh, Bippity boppity boo.
0: Okay, okay, that song no, was no. in
1: the credits, by the way, of the new TJ, song. TJ,
0: don't ruin the songs. Don't ruin all the songs. <laughs> a dream is a wish your heart makes. Yes, yes, yes. When you're fast asleep. What am I doing here?
1: I don't know what you're doing here, but don't ever do it again.
0: Never, ever do it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh honest trailers. So yeah. It'll be in the show um, notes. They crucified Cinderella. Joe, where Don't can people it, find kids? the show notes? MovieBite.com slash <laughs> po- something. <laughs> M M B podcast. podcast. Really? Slash why did you put the MP two nine? Okay, TJ, I've always wanted to ask, and I'm sure this is the question that's burning on the lips of all of our listeners, why did you put the M B in front of podcast after the slash?
1: Because uh, to to have moviebyte.com slash podcast would have made it seem like that was the only podcast, and I really wanted when I was really pushing MovieBite as a site, I wanted there to be many podcasts under moviebyte's umbrella, and it never happened. Um, but oh, I see. Yeah, I, it just made it seem like it would have given it more prominence. And I guess oh, the idea okay. that it is the moviebyte podcast gives it more prominence anyway, and it was ill-conceived and ill-fated. And it basically is the podcast of moviebyte.com. But anyway, that was the idea at the time. So that, and I've just never changed the URL. I wouldn't want to now.
0: So I think that that's why it's always been difficult for, for that URL system to stick for me.
1: So the show notes will be found where, Joe?
0: At MovieBite.com slash, hey, TJ, what's the MB stand for there? <laughs> podcast slash 129. That's right.
1: Speaking of Cinderella. I feel like maybe we should get to our review of the live action version that just came out. What do you think, Joe?
0: Hmm. Let's do it, sir. I want to tell you a secret that will see you through all the trials that life can offer. Have.
1: You'll merely be your stepmother,
0: and you'll have two lovely sisters to keep you company.
1: So I'll know, as far away as I may be, that you'll be safe. Wouldn't you prefer to eat when all the work is done, Ella? Yes, stepmother. Oh, you need not call me that. Madam will do. So that was from the trailer for the live-action remake in 2015 of Cinderella. It was released on March the 13th, 2015. It had a budget of 95 million. Opening weekend, it brought in 67.8 million, and worldwide, it has brought in a 140.9 million gross. The critic consensus is that it is refreshingly traditional in a revisionist era. Kenneth Branagh's Cinderella proves Disney hasn't lost any of its old fashioned magic. Kenneth Branagh was the director. Chris Weitz wrote the screenplay. And the stars are Kate Blanchett as the evil stepmother, Lily James as Cinderella, Richard Madden as Prince Charming, Helena Bonham Carter as fairy godmother, Stellan Skarsgård as Grand Duke, Sophie McShira as Drizella, Holiday Granger as Anastasia, Derek Jacoby as the King, Ben Chaplin as Ella's father, and Haley Atwell, aka Agent Carter, as Ella's mother. The composer was Patrick Doyle. This may be the uh, soundtrack that I've hated least from him. Uh, Joe, Mm. why don't you tell us about the storyline?
0: The story of Cinderella follows the fortunes of young Ella, whose merchant father remarries following the tragic death of her mother. Keen to support her loving father, Ella welcomes her new stepmother, Lady Tremaine, and her daughters, Anastasia and Drizella, into the family home. But when Ella's father suddenly and unexpectedly passes away, she finds herself at the mercy of a jealous and cruel new family. Finally relegated to nothing more than a servant girl covered in ashes, and spitefully renamed Cinderella since she's worked in the cinders, Ella could easily begin to lose hope. Yet despite the cruelty inflicted upon her, Ella is determined to honor her mother's dying words and to have courage and be kind her mother, picky Carter. She will not, <laughs> she will not give in to despair nor despise those who abuse her. And then there is the dashing stranger. She meets in the woods, into the woods, unaware <laughs> that she is really a Prince, not merely an employee of the, he is not merely an employee of the palace. Ella finally feels that she has met a kindred soul.
1: All right. That uh, that pretty much describes it. I have some uh, some general things that I'd like to talk about here. And as much as I may or may not have liked this movie, we'll get into that in a little bit.
0: I feel really? like I,
1: I feel like TJ,
0: you have no soul.
1: Um, I didn't say one way or the other. I was trying to conceal what my feeling, true feelings were. Okay. Um, because I want to talk about some general things first. Okay. Go ahead. Um, and as much as I I may or or may not have liked it, I I have to question like why are we getting another Cinderella adaptation or story? How many have we had now? not you counted nine in that honest trailer. Yes. Like why do we need another one? That, that's, that's actually,
0: the, the, that wasn't counting the original cartoon. So really we had 10, uh, this one, including this one, we have 10.
1: Now, did you see what I put in the show notes? When Walt Disney's first version of Cinderella?
0: No. What? Where?
1: Yeah. It's right under the IMDB rotten tomatoes, box office mojo uh, links there. Oh, in I see show it. Now. Outline. Yeah. Um, and and that is the first that that's Walt Disney was 21 years old and he produced this and an animator animated it and uh uh it, well uh, let's see it's the what do they call it I'm pulling it up here now um uh, the, yeah there it is the uh, the gram Cinderella 1922
0: <laughs> So Laugh-O-Gram is a precursor to merry melodies uh,
1: I suppose
0: this has nothing to do with Cinderella. It's a bunch of goofy animals doing silly things.
1: I mean, it's the story of Cinderella, kind of. Um, kind of. Kind of. Y- yeah, it was uh, – so Disney has been infatuated with the idea of Cinderella, I suppose, uh, from
0: the beginning. Man, everybody in live action in the 19- 1922 looked really funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so one wonders why it was necessary to bring – regardless of how much we may or may not have liked it, why was it necessary to bring this story to the screen, and I think this just highlights uh, something that that I've been concerned about for a while, yeah. and, and I'm asking the question: Are we running out? Do we feel? Do the studios feel like we're running out of stories? I mean,
0: oh yeah. Well, there's no doubts there. The the studios do not have enough originality to come up with more stories that, that they they that they're convinced that they can make money from.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's just the question that's that's kind of before us is is why? why who who even thought it was a good idea to make another version of Cinderella? Uh, you you know,
0: know the same people who made it on a budget of ninety five million and they made a worldwide gross of one hundred and forty point nine. This is million true, million yes, this week.
1: is true. We rewarded them for doing it, and and as we get into possibly rightly so, um, but yeah, it's just it's just a question of like if you were at Disney, Joe, and and you said. Of all the source material that we could draw from because we don't have anything original, do you think uh-huh. we should make Cinderella, which has been made 150 million times over the course of the last 100 years?
0: <laughs> you, That's nearly you, as many times as they have grossed in dollars yeah, on the original exactly. cartoon film.
1: Now, I will say $95 million is less than I would have expected for a film of the, of the caliber that I saw on the screen. I would have expected a bigger budget than $95 million because there was a yeah. lot of stuff going on there. Gr- wonderful color palette. We'll, we'll get to that. Um so my, maybe they were
0: using canned effects,
1: no, no way <laughs> um my my next general thought, Joe, and I've already kind of alluded to this and stated it because of the honest trailer, I don't like the nineteen fifty version of of Cinderella. I,
0: I really just don't like it, okay, but that you're allowing that to taint your perspective on the new film.
1: No, I don't think so. um,
0: okay, I don't, don't think so. All right, um, just, be, just be honest with yourself. You no, know, no, I am be honest. honest I, trailers version of TJ. I,
1: I've um, even when I was a kid, I remember thinking, "Man, it's pretty syrupy and 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 sickly sweet Cinderella story stuff." Nee, I don't know. And they spent an awful lot of time on Lucifer and the mice, and like that was, you know, it became a story about how the mice. Got the key up to Cinderella like they were the heroes in the story, and and she was just Mm. along for the ride. And Prince Charming was a cardboard cutout, and at the time I couldn't have articulated any of these things. I was a kid for crying out loud, but I think that that kind of all lends itself to the reasons why I didn't care for Cinderella too
0: much. Mm Okay. My my original impression of the cartoons are very different from what I think of them today. I completely understand why you wouldn't be into them, not appreciate them. But you got to remember they were products of their time. Oh, for sure. You know, it's for easy sure. for uh, Honest Trailers to make cheap pot shots at this, that cartoon <laughs> classic because – well, I mean like Honest Trailers wasn't around back then. Back then, if Honest Trailers were around, they probably wouldn't have had the nerve to say make any criticism of the movie because cartoons of this scale at that quality were so rare That you you took what you could get, but on on top of that, it also reflected the culture at the time. Mm. Like they were trying to be genuinely – I don't want to say uh, traditional about it because they were definitely defining the Cinderella story. It wasn't like other Grimm's fairy tales. It was a a classic fairy tale that didn't have as much flesh on it as other classic fairy tales – you know, you think about Robin Hood and we have some classic uh, novelizations, uh, stories about Robin Hood. We got that. You know, we got uh, classic written uh, uh, interpretations of Pinocchio. And, but to my, the best of my knowledge, I don't think that there were that many uh, very uh, detailed versions of Cinderella. So when Disney and the others had tackled this one and when they were creating things like the um, – what was it called? Sleeping Beauty. They were they were largely trying to put flesh on this thing. And I think that they looked to the Snow White film for inspiration and they realized, we've got something here with Snow White. Let's do it again. Mm. And it's it sort of like did, uh, Pixar saying, hey, we have something here with Toy Story. Let's do it again. So let's have the Toy Story too. And, and I would not be a bit surprised if in 50 years there are critics who come after the, – there's the Honest Trailers of 2065 – that come after films like you know Toy Story you know two and say well you know look at this uh, you know all these uh, cultural abnormalities and uh, injustices and isn't this boring and look at this chauvinism and you know things like that
1: yeah but anybody who comes after Toy
0: Story any of the Toy Story films to date it just has no heart well and you know we're talking about two thousand sixty five don't care okay but you know back to Cinderella um, I think that some of it is justified because the film. Uh, though it has that classic trademark quality to it, and uh, Disney has definitely milked the hearts of girls uh, all over the world for many generations <laughs> with this story.
1: Including my six-year-old daughter, by the way.
0: Yeah, and including my own. Um, my Mine has at least one Cinderella-related outfit and two or three Cinderella dolls, not counting all the other ones that she has. Goodness, she's she has- a lightweight compared to my daughter. <laughs> My daughter has two Annas, has one Elsa, one, um, okay, okay. you know, and Anna goes, but she has, I think, two Cinderella's and like two, three Cinderella dresses. I don't, I don't know how that happened. Anyway, yeah. Cinderella, the movie, um, we're not even reviewing the cartoon classic. So no, I you, went way No, but you too have to talk about it though. I mean, you have to talk about it. Okay. Maybe to cut to the chase, it doesn't bother me that we have a live action version that's not a carbon copy of a cartoon film no, no, that's no. like 70 years old. Well,
1: this leads into my next point, which is I think Disney has been doing quite well with these live-action remakes. I, I quite enjoyed Maleficent. I'm I would, i going to tip my hand a little here. I wouldn't rate it as highly as I would rate Cinderella. Um, but I, I quite enjoyed uh, Maleficent. And, and and I think that Disney has, has – despite my qualms, despite my misgivings, they've hit a good kind of a, a, a pattern here, a good um, – a good thing. They've got a good thing going, and the, you know they they did. It was certainly, with Maleficent, they completely altered the story into something different and new. And certainly here, we we've got a, a completely different story, really, than than the than the cartoon gave us. It, you know. The everything is put in its proper place with the mice and and, and the cat. In fact, it, it seemed almost out of place that Lucifer the cat was even mentioned because, like, it was it was almost just a hey, hey remember Lucifer in the cartoon? Well, there he is, but he has nothing to do here. Uh,
0: so. <laughs> yeah, I made that observation pretty quick. I was surprised how little they had to do with the mice or yes. with the the cat.
1: Yeah, so. Um, this film is quite refreshingly traditional just like the just like the critic consensus said in a revisionist world I I I thought that was quite uh quite enjoyable
0: but can you explain what that means to you because you just said it a moment ago you weren't crazy about the traditional classic
1: I mean traditional Why in a you different, like this one I, I mean traditional in a different way it, it took the traditional Cinderella story and Yes, it altered it in, in ways. And I'm not even talking about the nineteen fifty. That's to me that's not traditional Cinderella. I'm talking about the original fairy tale. And it, it, it added to it, to to the sum of its parts. It was greater than the sum of its parts, if you will. It added to the, the fabric of that story in ways that worked well, but it also stayed true to the heart of that story, I think. Um and and it's uh yeah, I, I don't know how else to describe it. It was it was traditional, but it was um it, it's it was refreshing. It wasn't like stodgy uh, – it wasn't like the 1950 version, <laughs> sweet and syrupy. Um, so it wasn't traditional in those ways, but it was traditional in in, in ways that are, are hard to quantify. I, I, in other words, as I watched it, Joe, I got this sense of this is Cinderella. Yes, it's been updated to bring it into a, a framework and a time period that we can understand. Even though it's set in an older time, we understand kind of the conventions and the way they've been updated – but it, it it had this feel of traditional Cinderella to it.
0: Oh, absolutely! And if anything, it did a good job of amplifying it because they put uh, dialogue to scenes that didn't have dialogue in the original film. Mm-hmm. So much of the original film was carried by the mice, and that really annoyed me over the years. The more I became aware of what was happening in that film, as uh, you know, I when I was growing up, I was around other younger children because I had younger siblings that were watching movies. Uh, 10 years past, you know, the time I would ever watch them. And so I would see them watching things like Cinderella when my sister was six years old and I was 16 and Mm -hmm. I was thinking about it at the time. And I was like, you know, what is going on here? And there's hardly any dialogue. Like, we don't know why Cinderella really digs this guy that she meets at a ball, except that he seemed to be really well-dressed.
1: Yeah. So you don't think lines like poor Cinderella.
0: Oh, don't put that in my mind. I will not be able to get it out of my head tonight. There are so many catchy lines, little musical bits and stuff in this film that you do not want stuck in your head while you go into bed at night.
1: Uh, yeah. So um, I found the film refreshing and traditional at the same time. And I know it's completely contradictory, but uh, at least to some people, but there it is. You know, okay, my, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to say, I think that Branagh as a director is getting better with every film he directs. Like like Thor, you know, it was okay. It was not not his best work. And, and then you've got um, uh, the, the uh, Jack Ryan film that he did, and it was pretty good. And then here we are, like, this is the best film that I've seen him direct to date. Please don't hate on me, you Shakespeare nuts. To me, this is Branagh's best film. And I th- I just think that it's 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 you know he's really hitting a, a groove as a director.
0: You no, know, I'm looking at the Rotten Tomatoes page, and underneath the specs of, about the cast, there's a section for Cinderella videos, and one of them is listed here: um, Kate Blanchett hates dog poop. I think it's really important that we stop and watch this. What?
1: What? 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 Where is this? Give send me the link. We'll, we'll, we'll pull
0: it up here. We'll add that into the show notes. Uh, anyway, well, I think that the Cinderella live-action film is a Disney response to films like Mirror Mirror and Snow White and the Huntsman. Mm. Those brought in a lot of money a few years ago with big-name actors, even though for the most part people, audiences were not very warm to those adaptations. I don't but know. It I, I certainly
1: point. liked um, – I don't know about other audiences. I can't remember, but I certainly liked Snow White and the Huntsman quite a lot.
0: You know there are yes, there is a segment of people out there in the world like you that liked that film. I take I it you're
1: not one, you're not one of them. No,
0: I I have no love for either of those movies. Yeah. I have no respect for them. I, Snow I, I, White I feel and the Huntsman.
1: Like, I just got to say, Joe, if you don't like it, we can't be friends. It was fantastic.
0: I enjoyed some concepts of the film. Don't take me wrong. Like I'm saying, like there were isolated qualities to appreciate, but the film was just just awful. And I I would not watch it again.
1: Mm, I'm going to go watch it right now.
0: Uh, Okay. Anyway, back to this other prisoners, uh, princess thing. Prisoners? What What
1: was it? Prisoners.
0: We're prisoners of princesses. Okay. Yes. Um, Peggy Carter is Cinderella's mother. Awesome. And we established that at the very beginning of the film. But I was confused
1: about why she wasn't, you know, kicking any butt. I don't understand. That's what Peggy Carter does. mm, But She's dying. Well, and her hair was the wrong color too. She's like changed her hair color.
0: I know. I didn't even recognize her. It it, (laughs) was it it was amazing. Like Haley Atwell is so uh, uh, diverse. She can do anything. She can change the color of her hair for a part. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I love her. And then and then all of this is set in a Thomas Kincaid world. (laughs) So everything about this just reeks of you know Thomas Kincaid's uh, brushstrokes. It is gorgeous, and you know this is where Cinderella lives. And then you know her father's the you know pretty good guy. He sure beats Mr. Banks. and then you know things change when Kate Blanchett, aka the Lady Galadriel comes in and she's wearing the ring of power <laughs> and all she wants to do is like be Lord of the mansion. And so she turns it into a casino. The father goes off on a very long distance business trip and it, it, it's really long distance like he can never he can't not he cannot survive this this particular business trip. Cinderella is left alone at home. And from there, it just got better and better. Like, I mean, like a couple of the things that just struck me as awkward getting set up, like they didn't really try well to establish the, um, when they introduced Drizella and Anastasia and the Lady Tremaine, they gave you the minimum amount to get them into the house. Oh, yeah. And then from there, they got deeper and deeper because they introduced new developments to the story. Spoiler alert. Um cinderella meets the prince in the woods yeah well that's actually the traditional story Uh
1: that's that's the traditional story Uh, you keep see what here's the thing when i say traditional i mean something different than you i started realizing a few minutes ago you when you say traditional you mean the animated film and that is not traditional in any way
0: disney conquers all no or was it love conquers all yeah Uh, i don't remember
1: it's one something like that same thing it's all rather the same thing so so yeah and then uh uh, they they make her sleep in the attic. Like, I'm, I'm sure that's fine. There's nothing wrong there.
0: No, she wanted to fine. sleep in the attic. That was what was so poetic about it was that in that scene, they established that Cinderella is ultimately somewhat introverted. Like, and she didn't really mind it. It was kind of like, you meant this to be something bad, but it turned out to be something good. And then they kept on turning it on its head like that. So when the lady Tremaine breaks Cinderella's heart, when the girls laugh at her and call her name, her Cinderella, because she's got cinders all over her face from doing too much work and sleeping by the fire. Cinderella, her, she's just crushed. So she gets onto a horseback and you imagine that she's just going to run away from home when she goes out into the woods and meets the prince. And if it were for the fact that the Lady Tremaine had driven her to her depression and her sorry state, she may have never met the prince. And then the prince would have never asked for all the, the commoners to come to the ball if he hadn't met Cinderella. So it, it was. It was all just a, a fantastic excuse for it was destiny, man. It was a, a fantastic meet, cute. As as someone who was
1: raised around horses, I have to point out that Cinderella was riding a horse without a bridle, just a halter. Not even anything to pretend like the reins going down to the halter, just a halter and no way to control the horse. And the horse seems to spook easily.
0: And you don't think there was a way to install a saddle into those dresses they wore back then? Yeah. <sighs> she did it several times it's it's
1: that sort of thing where it's like i wish i didn't know anything about this because it doesn't work (laughs) it's 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 one of those things you know there's those sorts of things that happen you're like "Eh,
0: cgi horse
1: yeah it's fine it's
0: fine (laughs) cgi cinderella and horse yeah maybe maybe that would have been better so
1: yeah um
0: Okay, let's uh, let's get real about this. Honestly, I thought that the dialogue in this movie was some of the best for any of the Disney princess films.
1: I would say it was good for what I expected. I I wouldn't call it Joss Whedon level work, but. um, But we're talking about a Disney princess. Right. Yeah. And it was it was pretty good stuff. Like I I was not disappointed by it. And I really liked that um, they didn't make the prince a cardboard cutout like he was in the stupid cartoon. Like, you know, in the cartoon, he literally has like, I think, five lines or something. And, and, you know, they meet on the dance floor and they fall madly in love. And then, you know, he has to have her and he's going to find the glass slipper. No, oh, it's got to fit her. And, you know, like, no, they, they meet and they have a conversation and, and you know, they're not. Uh, I don't know. I, I really just I, I'm, I'm, this is obviously way better than that stupid cartoon. Have I mentioned that cartoon is stupid?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a few times. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking now about Beauty and the Beast, and that was probably the best writing yeah. of any of the Disney classics. See, I classics. love
1: Beauty and the Beast, yeah, and, but and, see,
0: it was also so so well polished that it sometimes it's nauseating how hard it is to get any of portion of that movie out of your head when you're trying to sleep at night. I haven't seen
1: that movie in years. I got to go see that movie tonight, maybe.
0: <clears
1: <clears <throat> I love that. Really? Movie. Yeah, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I'm not kidding about liking. I'm kidding about seeing it tonight.
0: So, so, Cinderella, it seems like we have, we are really having a hard time reviewing this one, TJ. Whatever. I'm trying to be concise I'm and happy. we keep on bouncing around. No, no, no. I'm,
1: you happy, know, I'm like, happy details.
0: Like, this. I, w- I want to talk about details, Okay, TJ. talk about
1: details, Jeff. I'm talk tired of talking
0: about the, uh, the gloss over, you know, uh, impressions of the film. Uh, okay, let me think here. Um, first of all, I was very happy that they downplayed the mice role. Yes. Like, they emphasized yes. the fact that all the animals that played a key role in Cinderella's life the reason that they had a key role in her life was that she had befriended them in her childhood. And then after her mother passed away, they were comfort to her because they helped her while away the hours. I mean, it's not like the child has entertainment. She doesn't have the television, the computer, <laughs> the, the iPhone. So what is she going to do whenever her dad is off on a business trip? I
1: mean, you can't. What are you saying? She can't just sit up in the attic and browse around on the internet? Come on. what's Facebook? Come on. There's going to be something.
0: We're talking about priest uh, uh, ste- evil stepmother days, you know, when she was growing up and becoming a teenager, mm. like she, she, she would be alone and she didn't have friends. Like they established she didn't actually get uh, get to see that many other young people or people at all, just the way that the culture and society was back then. Mm-hmm. So she was usually cooped up in that house And so she, you know, she befriends a couple of wild animals and that's great. And you don't even know it's sort of like fudges on whether or not it's reality. Like these mice might be complete figments of her imagination because even when Lucifer was around, like there was scenes that made it, it gave you the impression that Lucifer might be chasing the mice. But it might also be that the cat was just acting strangely and had nothing to do with the mice. Mm. So it's kind of hard to tell where um, reality and the imagination, the the neighborhood of make-believe animals that Cinderella surrounds herself with were real. And I, I liked that because it, it added more character – to cinderella as an individual rather than like adding on needless animal characters that were not going to add anything to the story mm,
1: that's interesting i i never thought um uh, it just never crossed my mind that the mice weren't real but i i, I see where you could get that i suppose i, I like to think they were real um and, and I, I did i felt like maybe they were a little too downplayed but i i, I certainly like it better than the role they played in, in the animated film
0: yeah, like every time Cinderella needed to be comforted and distracted by some difficulty she was having with the other women, she, just then like the, the ladies or would leave the room or Cinderella would leave the room and she would find herself with another animal. And so it made me wonder sometimes like she's going into her own little imaginary world now, isn't she? And the only exception to that might be when she got on the horseback.
1: Yeah, I mean so she just has some form
0: of mental illness. It, it, it's fine. It's no big deal. Yeah, we learned that from Honest Trailers. <laughs> uh, okay, so then another thing was like it was refreshing that this did this was not a musical. Oh, Even, yes. But at sure. the same time, it felt musical without the musical numbers
1: yeah and that's why i say that i hated this score the least of any patrick doyle score because i feel like he did an in all a decent job i feel like another composer may have done a better job but but he did fine and and it did have that that sense of musicality and like You expected them to break out in song at any point, and they just they you know like it 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 was like writing that line like here we are we know our roots we know kind of what this what what this uh, story hails from we know what you're thinking and we're gonna even give nods to it you know where she's like uh, what was it the fairy godmother's like bippity you know boppity you know and she's you know (laughs) she's almost right on the cusp of doing that thing you know so I, I did enjoy that.
0: Another thing was that another problem that we face with a lot of these princess fairy tales is that typically they become very um, female centric, and I understand completely why uh, we want to give uh, little girls, you know, these enjoyable movies all of their own. You know, just give them a movie that they feel that they can own, like they have. You know, the the pretty princess gets the guy and gets to live happily ever after. You know, like I, I appreciate that. For what it's worth and letting my daughter watch that and enjoy these things in their youth. But it is nice that in this movie, a great deal of the screen time is dedicated to the prince and his father. Yes. And that was really cool because not only did they introduce them, they actually allowed you to see character arcs for the prince and his father.
1: Yes. I I never felt like anybody was too much of a cardboard cutout. Possibly Anastasia and Drazilla. But uh, for the most part, like, I didn't get the impression that anybody was a cardboard cutout, uh, particularly the prince, felt very well-developed. And the king, like, it, oh, it's so redeeming for the king because in that stupid cartoon – have I mentioned? Uh, in that cartoon, like y- – y- and you really see it in the Honest trailer. They really bring it out. But, like, th- that that king is mentally unstable. Like, he – you know, he's, he's – you know, if everything doesn't go the way I want, you know – you know, and he draws it, <laughs> and he just he turns red. and He's angry all the time. He's like, I really like the king in this in this uh, movie, even if he was a little bit, you know, stuffy and misled. And like in the end, he comes around, and he had a character arc. Isn't that something? And you know, uh, they they turned the grand duke into somebody else that he wasn't in the cartoon, and it just everything worked so well. Uh, so yeah, I really enjoyed all the characters in this film, and particularly, like you say, uh, the, the male and the female characters. But the male characters were not relegated to some far off corner. Uh, you know, because this is a female centric film. They they had character arcs too, and that's a sign of good writing. So definitely so,
0: so, that, so then you have the relationship um growth for Prince Charming, who was called Kit and never referred to as Prince Charming. Never once. And that okay, that was really cool. Like you never even got his real name, but you, you got his nickname, which is a lot more than we've ever had before. Yeah. And that was just really well played the way it all fell into place. Like you didn't realize that you didn't actually get his real name the entire movie. When it comes to the end, you just somehow don't care. Like to you, he is Kit because the the, the king establishes that late in the movie. That is what the king knows him by. That's what he he calls him.
1: Well, Joe, do you think you know my real name or do you think TJ is my real name?
0: (laughs) You are TJ TJ. (laughs) Okay. Stop kidding yourself. I've seen your Twitter handle.
1: Your name is T J
0: Draper Pro. Yes,
1: yeah, so it's sealed. It's sealed in T. blood. Yeah. T J Draper Pro.
0: T J Draper Pro. You know. All right. So, um, but then what was um, clever about the relationship between Prince and Cinderella was that they introduced her as to be a very um, uh, opinionated, yet kind and courageous, um, uh, outspoken individual in the right circumstance, in the right context, in a in a well communicated manner. Like when she meets the prince in the woods. Very quickly, they, t- they have a, a brief, energetic, thoughtful conversation, and it has such a good impression on the prince that he isn't interested in Cinderella simply for her looks. He isn't simply interested in her because she has a sweet, angelic voice singing in the woods. He actually cares about her thoughts, opinions, and you get the impression that he is sort of like an empty vessel that was just waiting for a purpose in life. Mm -hmm. And when she entered the woods and got to talking to him, he realized what he wanted to stand for. She wanted to stand for uh, her mother's legacy and her mother's legacy was, hey, daughter, be courageous and be kind. And that was the the shining light for everything that Cinderella did So you're, then saying what the prince she, realized, you're
1: saying that she is like a role model, actually a role model for for young girls rather than just some some you know some princess that's uh not any connected to the real world in any way
0: uh, yes, and I can understand why some people would not like this kind of role model, but for uh, i i like it oh, I mean like me I like what they did here because it wasn't so much that it was just being courageous and being kind was good enough for Cinderella and that would put Cinderella in her place and this was what we want for all women. It it made it established the point this is this is what we want for everyone. And the prince wants to do this too. He wants this to be the theme of his kingdom under his rule. He wants to be known as the kind and the courageous king. Yeah. Uh, along uh, along with his kind and courageous queen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that was very neat. They, and, and they drove that point home over and over again. I cannot count the number of times that they brought the theme up and, and they said it verbally. And yet, it, and yes, they may have overstated the point. But at the same time, it was, it, was never, it was never in your face in a disgusting and over-the-top sort of way that made you really d- d- hate the theme of the movie.
1: I, absolutely i'm, I'm just it, gonna it brought say more respect I, to it i'm just gonna echo i say i agree with all that can i just echo and it's good
0: thank you sir yeah uh I, i'm okay with echoes
1: <laughs> yeah uh my, my uh my likes and, and the things that i listed out are a little more shallow than that although i agree with everything you're saying
0: <laughs> i feel <laughs> you, you really like to the dress, now. right you really like to dress oh, that and blue the it was so wonderful the,
1: and flowy yes. and flurry and twirly and i the loved lace. it when she twirled around in the lace oh
0: yes the lace no <laughs> wasn't her hair nice
1: Yes. Um, I, I thought Lily James was fine as Cinderella, but I think that Kate Blanchett, of course, kind of stole the show a little bit with her wonderfully villainous performance.
0: Really? See, I, I thought that this was an OK performance of Kate Blanchett, not mm. one of her best.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I thought she owned the screen anytime she was on it. And, and it's not saying that Jane, Lily James didn't do a fine job. And she she certainly owned the screen, too. Uh, but but I thought that that Kate Kate Blanchett, as usual, delivered a stunning performance. And you know, a little bit unexpected to see her in such a villainous, you know, relishing the villainy kind of role. Although she did play that, like like the one the the I don't I hate to even say it because I hate this film so much. But the one redeeming quality <laughs> of Indiana Jones and the King of the Crystal Skull, uh, <laughs> it was Kate Blanchett, and she played quite the villain there. So. Um, uh, yeah, I suppose maybe it's not quite as as uh, surprising as I I might have thought at first, but I, I don't know. I just I enjoyed the kind of the way she played that villainy with
0: relish. You know, my my thing with Kate Blanchett was that she was playing the evil stepmother, and playing a, an evil stepmother is a difficult a, a part to follow because they're they're trying to make this um, this family friendly film. Mm-hmm. and they got to express that the the stepmother is every bit as evil uh, as to deserve banishment from the kingdom yeah <laughs> and unless unless you want to copy cat a lot of the cartoon version it's going to be difficult to find a new way to make her uh, menacing and believable and uh, let the audience empathize with her standpoint so they established why she was being so mean to Cinderella pretty well. And I understand the excuse and how she felt like her, her life was frankly just a uh, really messed up. Like, like everything had gone wrong in her life um, to a point and why she was very nervous. Uh, she was fretful about the future and what it would mean for her daughters. And at one point she probably cared about Cinderella, but then when she overheard things and took them in the worst possible way imaginable, then she became the evil stepmother because she was just such an arrogant person. Uh, but that being said, taking a step back again into just looking at the performances, the only things that I, I, I genuinely could, could potentially criticize would be that the performances of the sisters, the stepsisters, they were very silly individuals. That felt like they were play acting sometimes. Yeah, they were certainly the weakest link I would say. But Kate Blanchett, even for her good performance, she felt like she was giving a stage performance rather than really owning the context of the movie and taking it uh, seriously. Like you remember Garden of the Ends of the Galaxy and what they said about that film, how in leading the, the characters, the cast – they said, hey, just, just act it out like this is real. Act this out like it with real gusto. Take it seriously. We know there's no way that you would ever treat a raccoon seriously in this context. But just do it anyway. Own it and don't become self-aware. Uh, and Don't turn this into a parody of the thing that you are performing and i felt like that that was happening in this movie for the performance of cinderella her mother her father the king the prince and the captain of the guard and the duke those performances were told made like the characters the actors were really vested in them as if they were to, they, they were real to them but with kate blanchett it was more like she was trying to invoke an emotion and an expression that you would expect more from Stage acting, where the audience is very distant from from the performance, and so you have to exaggerate everything so that the that the audience is able to see it from a distance.
1: See, I don't I don't buy that. I don't I don't think that's the way it was. I, um, I've spoken, and thus shall, thus it is.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. I I mean, yeah. I, you know, this is just <laughs> about perspectives here at this point. Yeah. Uh, then there was the ending. Um, when when I guess when I say ending, I mean really everything from the ball to the end. Uh, I was blown away. By how they staged the ball, uh, yeah, blown absolutely. away. That's one of my notes. More of the character development for the prince. Um, okay, this is this was totally awkward. It was one of the most awkward things I've ever seen in a Disney film. But it also completely worked when the prince showed Cinderella his secret garden. <laughs> like that should not have worked <laughs> no. like why does the prince have a secret garden we did not get an explanation there but then i think it also was trying to drive home the point that he was also an introvert and it kind of explains what many reasons for why he was also attracted to cinderella as well um you want to go back and talk about the fairy godmother we should
1: we definitely should.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll let – I've been talking a while. I need to catch you've, my breath.
1: You've been – it's fine. You've been carrying the podcast. So um, <laughs> the, the fairy godmother, I, um, I think that maybe this is the second weakest link in the film, the first weakest link being uh, Anastasia and Dri- Drizella. Um, as uh, th- this is not weak because of the acting though. Th- this is weak because of who the character is and, and kind of whatever it is that Helena Bonham Carter was go- going for. I'm not quite yes. sure what it was. I really don't know what she Johnny was going for. Johnny Depp in a dress. Yeah. It, well, she's always been the female version of Johnny Depp and, 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 and she just didn't alter that at all for this. And And it was, the whole thing was just a little bit weird. You know, she's sitting there and it's like, okay. You know, you've been around, hanging around here for what is it, eight years or whatever, and you've just been sort of watching, I guess, and you haven't felt the need to intervene until now. And like, like you, you're stupid and lazy. <laughs> uh, what are you doing? <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I, I don't. I suppose that's always true in the Cinderella story, but I really felt that keenly in this film. Like, this is the second weakest link of the film. Like, what are you doing sitting around and, and, wait, you're an old lady and you're like, would you give me some milk, And you know? Oh, wait, let me change into something more comfortable. You know, I'm like, what is going on here? I didn't understand anything that was going
0: on. I'm your hairy dog father.
1: (laughs) What was that? I did not (laughs) understand what that was.
0: That was one of the most awkward lines of any Disney film.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't,
0: Uh, uh, hmm, hmm. the stepmother, uh, sorry, the fairy godmother. (laughs) She, eh, I agree with everything you said. I I, I don't know what makes sense about her. Her dress was comical. um, Whether she was the old hag or she was the godmother. (laughs) Then the fact that she was even there and that Cinderella didn't hesitate to get her some milk. It was like, what? Cinderella sounds like she's ready to commit suicide one second because her life is is ruined and she's all alone in the world and she has no hope. And then a hag shows up on their porch. Saying, hey, would you give me some bread and something to drink? And she's like, oh, sure. Okay, and here, here you go. Like, boom, there's some milk in a bucket or whatever, outdoors. And where
1: she got the milk didn't make any sense. No. <laughs> that's a different story. She didn't have to
0: work for it at all. Like, yeah. was there another version of the scene where she had to go milk the cow and they just thought that that was offbeat? So, they, so they she did. just got it out of a tap. I don't understand. That's right. <sighs> <laughs> the, the, the milk tap. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, I, I didn't understand anything that was going on with this uh, fairy godmother. Uh,
0: but then the the audacity to turn the pumpkin carriage into a carriage within the greenhouse like you're not helping anyone, no, godmother, no. by destroying the property in the process of building. Well, I mean, a, I
1: I assume that she fixed it up after after she left. I mean, that was that's my assumption. a big
0: assumption. I have a hard time putting. any She really sort didn't of faith get in much in else godmother. right, did
1: she? Like the the carriage still looked like kind of pumpkiny and then had trail things stringing off it. The lizard guy, he looked pretty lizardy and, and like, uh, the, the, the horse's ears weren't quite right. And I just, you know, and and it was purposeful. (laughs) I mean, obviously it was not, it was not like the CGI was based like the, Oh no, they're just showing that she's inept. (laughs) It's just like, Oh, shoes. I'm really quite good at shoes. They're made out of glass and you'll really, you'll find they're really quite comfortable. And you're sitting there going, I'm not buying what you're shoveling.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, like the, the 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 godmother wasn't bad, but she wasn't great and it was, it was okay. And, and again, maybe she's just what she is because she was there for the kids. Yeah. Again, this is just a little girls movie. Yep. <laughs> like what, what business do we have reviewing this movie in the first place? We need to get our daughters on here
1: i do want to point out that when the fairy godmother came into the movie this is where the music really started to get weird and out of control for me like there like i said most of the music was fine for a patrick doyle score but like i felt like it got way too bombastic and like she throws that wand up in the air and the music swells to unbelievable heights that don't match exactly what's going on like we haven't been prepared like you in or you have to you have to earn what you're doing with the music and that was just not an earned moment like Uh, it just it just swelled and you're like why do i care the music is (laughs) swelling right now i just didn't understand and and you know later the the swelling music is earned as they do the dance and it's been building up to this point and it was that was good but like here like they're making something like there's ooh this character is finally doing what you expected except you haven't been expecting it and you've never seen her before Uh, you know i don't know
0: yeah, if Cinderella was far too trusting of that strange stranger that night that showed up with a magic wand. Yes. Just uh, you know, a, a muggle. Her, her hairy father. That's right. <laughs> oh. But okay, so then Cinderella gets to the ball. Amazing things happen because they actually have a decent conversation. Intrigue yes. ensues a yes. conspiracy between the Duke, the Captain, yeah, um, I like and, that. A, a princess, and a king from another country. And then the lady Tremaine uh, stumbles into it, gets some decent blackmail, and then she uses that against the Duke to try and get what she wants. I, it's see, this, all by the way,
1: this is where I say I really love Kate Blanchett. She owned this. Like she goes in there to the Duke, and, you know, she's like, it would be very unfortunate if, you know, hmm, some tongues were to slip or whatever it is she says. And the Duke is like, are you blackmailing me? And she goes, well,.
0: Yes. Yes, I am.
1: You know, like she just completely owned it. I love that. It was
0: sure it it gave the it gave the stepmother more to do for the latter portion of the film. Yeah. But what doesn't make any sense is why the Duke didn't just have her killed and disappear in the night. Well, uh, come on. It's not
1: it's not as easy to do that as you might think. I mean. Seriously, like that is not really a good solution to anything, especially if you're trying to hide and be quiet and you have a lot of money you, you, you what you could kill this woman and she could disappear and you got to dispose of the body and somebody might see you or you could just hand her some money under the table because you got lots of it. I mean, that makes infinitely more <laughs> sense to me. So I've totally you bought that. Assuming you could keep her
0: quiet with a lot of money, she may well, keep yeah. coming back for more handouts. Yeah,
1: I mean, but they had a good thing going, and and they, you know, Cinderella blew it for him.
0: Yeah, they they were basically made for each other. She should have just, you know, thrown herself at his mercy, and I'm sure he would have married her, and this hmm. would have been a very different film. Yeah. It would have been called the stepmother.
1: Yeah. So. uh you've kind of changed up the show the format of the show a little joe so you can continue you're you're kind of <laughs> walking us through the movie we hardly ever do that i think we've only done that one other time
0: oh yeah what what was that batman begins uh rapicon oh oh well you have a great memory
1: yeah so um what did
0: we do in episode 33 i don't remember you did not have a good memory so my
1: point is did you have more of the movie you wanted to walk through this is very uh defocused like
0: <laughs> well, I guess I'm still deconstructing the movie in my mind because I I genuinely appreciated most every scene in this film. I really was sold on all of Cinderella's performance by uh, Lily James. Mm-hmm. I I liked all the cast. I even liked what little we got to see of Ella's father and Ella's mother. Um yeah. I was okay with the stepsisters. I was just not crazy about how silly they got sometimes.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's, I felt sisters. like they could have
0: done more with the Duke, but it wasn't bad. Well, it was, fantastic. it was, it was
1: still in Skarsgård. I mean, he's always excellent.
0: Sure. But I don't always like Skarsgård. I, I oh, honestly don't. On. What what have you seen that he hasn't been good in? Uh Let's see here. Um Thor.
1: Uh Incorrect. He was one of the best things about Thor. No, yep. no, yep, yep. Now Thor the Dark World I felt like he, they 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 wrote his role a little silly but he was great in it. I didn't mm-hmm. like some of the things they did with his character but he as an actor did great with it. And, and I that felt was like okay. yeah, I felt like the same thing about Thor like Thor he elevated Thor. Even though I feel like Thor is the weakest Marvel movie, he elevated it beyond what it was. otherwise I might have hated it more.
0: Eh, say what you will. I also didn't like him in uh, The Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy. He just was what he was. You what? I didn't like him. I mean, like he—he he, introduced him in a very interesting fashion, but the more we saw of him, the the less I was interested in the character and the sell of his his performance. Just uh, not interested. I, I I don't understand you. I, I I'm I'm a part of the ship. I'm a part of the crew. Uh, uh, How
1: do whatever. you not like Bootstrap Bill? What is wrong with you?
0: Why do you like Bootstrap Bill? Oh, you have beers with him
1: continue (laughs) move on before i choke you to death
0: okay let's get let's get serious about this princess movie let's get back to this okay (laughs) um Haley atwell enough said she is Cinderella's mother. See, so now, that I, oh, means see I was going to take
1: t- issue with you a little on the mother and the father. I, I, that would be my third weakest link in the, in the film. Like I, 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 they, they felt a little thin. Um, well,
0: they were a little bit thin because they had to rush a couple of moral lessons before they got into the biggest one of all.
1: Right, right. And
0: what they kind of did was in the very first scene, in the very first lines – they delivered lines that don't normally come into a movie until about the halfway point.
1: Yes, and I think that's that, – that. it's a little bit sloppy writing. Like I feel like they could have done better than that.
0: And what they were doing though is they were trying to tell Cinderella's character arc with a moral theme. You know, I get so, it.
1: I get why they did yeah. it. I just think it's a little sloppy.
0: Well, I th- I thought what was interesting was that they demonstrated that it's not enough to have just kindness and courage. You also have to be kind of wise about your choices as well. Because the the mother had this worldview that she wanted to believe in everything, but that she also tells her daughter, be kind and courageous in all things. And that was obviously the guiding light for her father as well. So many years after her mother had passed away, the father, wanting to believe in all things and that he deserves a second chance in marriage, he thinks, hey, Lady Tremaine, she's available. Why not? I'll ask Cinderella. Get her approval. Yeah, why not? Why don't we just believe in all things?
1: That just lent, though, to the thinness of of his character.
0: It did, but at the same time, it was another moral lesson, and that's why I liked it because it, the point was the mother wasn't even right about everything. She had this notion that everything will be okay as long as you believe and everything will be okay, and then they proved the point. No, not everything will be okay just because you look at everything with a rose-colored glasses yeah. viewpoint of the world. Which again adds to the thinness of those characters, Joe. No, you're missing the point. You sometimes want the characters that seemingly get everything they want not to get everything they want so that when Cinderella actually has a happy ending, it's much more valuable. If there was no trial and tribulation and if there was no lesson to the story for like getting in deep with the stepmother Lady Tremaine in the first place, if there was no harm in it and it was really a decent relationship and one that deserved to exist – then that it would have suffered the value of uh, Cinderella's ability to make this relationship with the prince under better circumstances because she was courageous and she was kind and she knew what was right. But, but by that point, she had lost the opportunities to do it the easy way. <laughs> Does that make any sense?
1: No, not really. <sighs> it's, fine, it's fine. It's fine. I don't want you to go more diatribe. I'm just not – I'm not fully on board with your your train of thought there. I'm not sure that's all going in the correct direction, but it's fine. I mean, that's we're two different people that we have two different yeah, opinions about yeah, these things. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I feel like we've pretty well covered it. Did you, you have any final thoughts? I mean, or should we go ahead and wrap it up and give our star ratings?
0: Um, I'm ready to wrap it up. Um. Uh, it's an it's an awkward thing to review because we are talking about a kid's film, mostly intended for girls and moms, mm. and I try to go watch this with my grandmother, mm. my mother, and my daughter just to have a fun outing together.
1: See, I, I don't quite buy that. Um, I feel like some of the best films in recent time you could say are kid's films, but they have something for everybody, and I feel like this film has that too. I know that it's going to be considered a girl's film or, or whatever, whatever that means – I feel like it's a fine film, and, and I did take my daughter to see it, my six-year-old daughter, and she loved it. By the way, she she was there were times and she would sit on the edge of her seat, and there was one, one point at which she clapped and like, hey, hey, come on, other people are, but, but you know, other kids were in, <laughs> and the other kids were in the theater too, and they were doing same, similar things, so it wasn't a big deal. But but so yeah, I know it's going to be considered that way, but I feel like good films like this film has something for everyone, like Pixar, good Pixar films. When Pixar is doing its best work. There's something for everyone. You might call it a kid's film, but you'd be wrong. And I think to call this film a girl's film or a kid's film or whatever you want to call it, I don't think that's quite an accurate assessment. I think there's good stuff here, and it's a good film, and I'm really glad I saw it, and I'm going to rate it fairly highly.
0: Good, good. Okay. Um, I, I think that even though something things about this film are hard to understand right now, that Disney played their cards right. You know, John last year, uh, top of the creative team, probably understands that what Disney needs to do is to get back to their greatness and experiment a little bit less every now and then. At least for now. Yeah. But be cautious in where you experiment. Absolutely. Like take a calculated experiment like uh, Wreck It Ralph uh, rather than an, an uninformed uh, experiment like Pocahontas. Oh, gosh. You know? Yes. Yes. Or so duties. much yes. And, Those were and the for, dark days for Disney. Yeah, and they—they were too long, and there were too many over too many decades. Yes, I, I just want to say I have healthy respect for Disney to return to what makes them shine. And I mean, I know you started this review by saying. That you were disappointed that we're we're seeing less and less originality?
1: No, 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 no. I think you took what I was saying the wrong way. That's not the reason. I I was just questioning why the film needed to be made. That was my my thinking going into the film. I'm not saying that now necessarily.
0: Because I'm all for returning to something if you want to refine it and to give it more glory and more excellence than it had before. Mm -hmm. And there was plenty of room to improve upon in the original cartoon. So – as far as I'm concerned, this is the, the Cinderella movie now. This is canon. And I'm, I'm done with the cartoon classic. Like if my kids want to watch Cinderella, by default, I'm turning on the live action film until they beg for the, the animated one and they do all their chores.
1: Welcome to the club. We have jackets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, Joe, what do you rate this film?
0: I give it five stars. Whoa. Wow. Wee! because all of the problems are petty. They are so small and there is so much to enjoy as a family. It's a, it's a, it's a chick flick at some of its best and it's a classic story. Like it may not be your story. It may not be the fairy tale that beats after your own heart, but you, you got to admit, there's always something kind of nice about a Thomas Kinkade painting.
1: <laughs> well, my my hairy dog father has forbidden me from giving this film five stars. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just saying that that's the sort of thing that prevents it from being a five star film for me.
0: Um, oh, 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 I just gotta interject here. Um, Real time <laughs> follow up. It's Desplat. It's not Alexander Desplat. It's who, Desplat. Who says that? Movie guy. The the 365 movie guy, Clark Douglas.
1: He told me that you could softly pronounce the T. Well,
0: well he just told Twitter, <sighs> desblah.
1: Whatever, dude. Clark, you're dead to me. Okay, so um, we need to get him back on the show sometime. So I, I I give the film four out of five stars. I think it was a fantastic film. I really enjoyed seeing it. I enjoyed seeing it with my daughter. I enjoyed seeing her excitement over the film. She could speak of nothing else. Uh, she has spoken hardly of anything else to me uh, since we saw it. She was telling me about how it is like this film tells us more about Cinderella when she was young. We didn't get that. We didn't see that with the other film. You know, she's telling. She so she was really excited about that.
0: It sounds Um, like me and your daughter could have a great geek out session.
1: (laughs) Yes, you probably could. So, um, and she's got the Cinderella pajamas and everything. So, um, yeah, I I really, I, (laughs) I would be, I would be worried about you, Joe, if you did, you'd need to see a psychiatrist. So, so I give the film four out of five stars and I, I don't think I mentioned this, the visuals in this film, the, the, the color palette, the cinematography, the CGI, the, the, everything about this film was wonderful and beautiful and a feast for the eyes. Um, and it was it, it, it really blew past my expectations phenomenally. I was expecting this to be a two and a half star film, and it just blew right past that. And I, I loved most of this film, and I, I consider it very well worthy of my time. It will be in our library. And like you, Joe, it will certainly be the default Cinderella film for me. At, at, at this point, this is the default Cinderella. When well, my kids want to see Cinderella, as soon as it's available on video, this is the one they watch. So I am mm-hmm. totally with you.
0: Uh-huh.
1: IMDb users rate the film seven point eight out of ten stars, and on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics are giving it eighty four percent approval rating. Uh, from the critics, there are a few who don't like it, but most of them do. The audience is at an eighty eight percent approval rating. So uh, that's that's the stats on the film. I think we did. I think I think we're ready to stick a fork Uh, in this one, Joe.
0: I'm looking forward to the next time that we review this film. I can finish everything (laughs) I wanted to say.
1: All right. Well, you solidify your thoughts, and we'll review it again in 50 years. There we go. All right. Next week, we're going to be talking about Whiplash. Finally, it's uh, come to it's come to iTunes. I still don't. I don't think I can still see it in theaters, but it has come to iTunes, and I know that I'll be able to get it that way or Amazon, one of the two. And we're going to have a very special guest on the show next week. Uh, we're uh, planning on having Tim Smith, if all works out well. He is the uh, co-founder of the Good Stuff Network, and he runs shows such as The East Wing. He had a three-episode-long show on movies and TV shows, and uh, we're excited to have him on the show next week. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, seeing, what's, seeing what's going on with Mr. Smith. All right, that's it. Joe, why don't you tell people how to uh, how to find you and, and your work on the Internet?
0: I am Joe Darnell. If you haven't been paying attention and you can find me at dot com. I write about technology, culture, the arts design, sometimes mention a movie there, but mostly right now I'm just talking about the Apple watch because I can't help myself.
1: Yeah. You're geeking out about it. I, I couldn't care. I about just
0: it. hope that there is w- the one Apple watch for me that fits. Yeah, I couldn't Yeah, the, the, the one glass Apple watch. Uh,
1: yeah. All right. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm TJ Draper pro. And that's really the only place where I'm active right now. Um, There'll be some stuff coming up. I'm you know, yeah, just trying to get this software wrapped up that I'm working on. And that'll be coming up, although I don't know how many, how many of my, in, uh, my listeners, our listeners, would be interested in such things, but uh, I will talk about it when it comes out. So follow me on Twitter. Uh, keep up with me there. And uh, that's really it for this week. And next week, look forward to Whiplash. If you uh, want to make sure you're caught up on that, you can get it on iTunes and uh, watch it and be prepared for that. We are out of here. See you next week. Bye, Joe.
0: may i sing a little lullaby for you
1: uh bippity boppity boo
0: Let's see here. What was the one that she sang in the movie? It wasn't even. It wasn't even a Disney original. It was no like. A, it was. I love the green. De- 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 athe- oh, that one. Sorry. Yeah yeah. Blue, yeah, yeah. And I am king. De- 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 my queen. Yeah, that one. She sings it like over and over again, and I, I was really struck by that. It was uh, more of a traditional song than something that was Disneyified. <laughs> yeah. Well, because you keep
1: it, using the word "traditional" to mean Disney, and like that is not what traditional means, Joe.
0: You're right. You're right. But again, it, there is no canon version of Cinderella. Yes, like, there if,
1: is. No, oh my god! No, because gosh. if you go back
0: to say some version that was written in the 1860s, that's the canon version. It.
1: It's 1600. That's uh, 1657, I think. That's but Cinderella. No. That's the original Cinderella.
0: No, it's not the original because it was actually taken from a historical event from an ancient story of an Asian – or no, it was an Arabian princess.
1: All right, we're going to find out if I'm right or not, and I don't really know, but I'm reading right now. Cinderella, or The Little Glass Slipper, uh, da, 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 is a European folktale embodying a myth element or unjust oppression. Written versions were published by Giambattista Basile Basil in his Pentermon, uh 1634. <laughs> so 1634 – by Charles Perrault in whatever that French name is, in 1697, and by the Brothers Grimm in their folktale collection in 1812. Although the story's title and main characters remain name change in different languages, in English language folklore, Cinderella is the archety- archetypal name. The word Cinderella has, by analogy, come to mean one whose attributes are were unrecognized, or one who unexpectedly achieves recognition or success after a period of obscurity and neglect. The still-popular story of Cinderella continues to influence popular culture internationally, lending plot elements, allusions, and tropes to a wide variety of media. Okay, plot. Okay, so maybe
0: this is the first time I'll accept a revisionist history.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I really want to sing for you, TJ. Sing. Oh, Mary had a
1: little ham. No, little no I, I can do
0: it. I, I can go like all. Uh, what is his name? Josh Groban style on you? Yeah, I can't stand him. Mm. Let's see. Selakadoo. I never even. realized Well, now that I'm like looking at the actual syllables in that song, it's not the way it sounded in my head. What I heard in my head was a little bit different from this. Selakadoo, la mitcha, la bibbity, babbity, boo. Put them together and what do you got? Bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Like, that's all the same, but then it's the Michika. The Michica, boo-la, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. It'll do uh, magic, believe it or not. Bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. It's not like a do-la means. michika boo la roo But the thing I'm about, okay, it's the, it's the means, michica, boo, la-ru. the boo la roo That doesn't magic words st- of- remind me of <coughs> the movie. You just have that up <laughs> on your the top of your <laughs> Spotify playlist, don't you? No, it's I have to find it on YouTube. And what have you got? <laughs> 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 she says... <just, laughs> oh! Okay, well, that's the problem. <laughs> the lyrics I'm looking at say, Salakadula Michika, not Salakadula Michika. So the la is on the end of the wrong word. So glad that wasn't in the movie. Me too. So glad. Mm-hmm. Give me, what was her name again? Helen Obama Carter every day.
1: Yeah, I do like her better than, than
0: the one from the movie. I,
1: I, I like everything about this movie better than the cartoon. But anyway.
0: So it just wasn't gelling for you. It was sort of like something about the mystique of the film. And I, 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 I know this is like, Post review, review. Oh stuff. yeah, this but is definitely I'm, going up as an after dark. But I'm trying to figure this out. Like, I feel like if you have a problem with this film, it needs to be clearer. Like, oh, it was something about this character throughout the film, and and they just didn't write him well, and he wasn't performed well, or it was, you know, I didn't like the color. The this visual effects were kind of. Half baked, or or what were they thinking? Why did they have to change the original story in some ways? Why did they add more character to Prince Charming because he ran flat? You know, like if you want to say something like that, then I can understand why it fell from five stars to four stars.
1: Well, I just don't think the film was worthy of five stars. Not necessarily there's anything wrong with it,
0: but okay. So, so so you like it?
1: Four stars is really good, though, Joe. It is, but it's not
0: as good as five.
1: No, it's not. There are other films that I would rate five stars.
0: I I, I wrote the book on the star ratings. Yes, you did. Let me see here. I'm looking it up again because this is really important. Um, Let's go down to the definition of five stars. Star-studded
1: ratings by the numbers.
0: Okay, say that movie was so good that you're ready to watch it again right after you saw it for the first time. Yes, you would buy another ticket and walk right back into the theater then and there. You will watch this movie for the rest of your born days and not grow tired of it. Which with each viewing, you uncover something new or see something in a different light. Nope. The key moments still thrill you, even though you know them forwards and backwards. So you're describing the matrix for me. Hmm. Okay. Uh, This movie has nothing in it that is less than good as far as you're concerned. And to be honest, if there is anything that is less than perfect, this movie generally compensates for it with something else that is utterly brilliant or heart-pounding.
1: See, that to me, two movies fit that description, and that is The Wrath of Khan and The Matrix.
0: Wow, The Wrath of
1: Khan. You remember (gasps) this? I rated it five stars last time. I
0: know. It's just you have to keep rubbing it in. You have to keep bringing up Khan. You recommended this movie to someone before you even realized it, maybe even to a total stranger. You are not going to buy a standard release because you will seek out the ultimate edition in a fancy box with the extended cut and a special access code to the online forum with the director. And as for price, what price, you ask? It's worth the uh, the weight of the Blu-ray disc in 14-karat gold. 24-karat.
1: Yep, you're you're still describing The Matrix and the Rapplican.
0: Yeah, I mean like I know – Definitely
1: not describing
0: this movie. Look, I I know that there are more competent films. I know that there are uh, films that have brought me to – that are more tear-jerking. I know that there are more relevant films like Schindler's List. But when I think fondly back to all of the movie watchings I've had with my children, and then I think about all the fond movies I watched when I was a child, and then I look forward to the days when I am an old man – and I watch movies with my grandchildren, this one is going to be one of the highlights.
1: See, for me, I'm reading your definition of four stars, and I feel like I hit it right on the mark. I mean, it's forced. It's delightful. It's a delightful film. You will watch it many times, and you know it. Even though it most assuredly has its faults, the whole of the film is good, and you usually see past the weaknesses. After all, it has some very likable performances and some quotable bits of dialogue you will want to memorize. Oh, of course the visual effects are subpar. See, that that one throws me a little – like I felt like the visual effects were way up high.
0: Well, just um, remember that that's like just pointing out to some right, detail right. character. And yeah, that, that one yeah, plot
1: point right. is cliche. Okay, yeah. And the soundtrack doesn't cut the mustard, definitely. But those are trivial <laughs> details in the movie's case. Again, I agree with that. You will recommend it to your friends unless they're aware they – you're aware they don't enjoy the genre or the stars in the film – and the leads – you will probably buy this movie, especially if there is any sort of sale for it or bonus features with it. Yeah, see, I agree with all that. That this is where that movie sits <laughs> for me.
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, that's good. Well, okay. Thank you. You're being consistent, and so am I. I. I, I mean, like, I know it sounds like I'm being hugely partial for this movie because I have some kind of a Lily James crush. I, I don't know, or maybe I got a, a men crush on the other dude. Um, but but no, it's it's like I just I think that this is one of the best summations of a fairy tale hmm. um and it doesn't have to be a perfect film that gets everything right because i don't think i've ever encountered a fairy tale that was more right than this film and any that pretend to be better they're not even uh into the woods mm.
1: with that i'm afraid that we must part company
0: okay this is Tata for realsies for realsy realsies
1: Yeah, I'll see what I can do to get this up as an After Dark, or maybe I'll put it as a tag, because I want people to hear it.
0: Okay. so All right, good deal. Send me your audio, dude. Yeah, immediately. All right. Bye. Bye.